Don't say you can't because until you, you, you can't, you haven't even tried. Mm -hmm. That's not acceptable. So, well, my grandfather, he always said, you don't have a problem unless you don't have a solution. So if something comes up, it's not a problem. It's something I need a solution for. And I'm going to figure it out. I don't accept failure. It's just not in my book. One way or another, it's going to happen. And it does. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode number 16 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast of NewsBomb Transportation. A couple of weeks ago, we announced our inaugural NewsBomb Family Fun Run and Walk. This year's event is a fundraiser in support of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. This is a really great cause, and I invite all of you, your family, and your friends to join us for this event on Saturday, May 11th. This is a 5K run or walk event, and anyone and everyone can be a part of this. It doesn't matter how fast you are, how slow you are, if you're in a wheelchair, if you're pushing a stroller, it doesn't matter. It's not timed. Uh, just come have fun with us. Uh, we'll have inflatable set up for the kids to bounce around on. And we'll also have newsbomb trucks on display for the kids and big kids alike to uh, climb into and check out. Just go to newsbomb.com slash St. Jude. That's all one word with no period. St. Jude. Newsbomb.com slash St. Jude uh, to get signed up and register. Uh, if you aren't able to join us at the terminal on May 11th, that's okay. Don't do me out just yet. You can participate anywhere you want and whenever you want, just by tracking your run or walk using an app like Fitbit or MapMyRun. Just still go to the website, register as a satellite participant, and just go to newspom.com slash St. Jude. And if running or walking just isn't your thing, that's cool too. Uh, But would you please consider making a donation or volunteering to help on the day of the event? Donations can be made online at newspom.com slash St. Jude. I'm saying that over and over. You should have this in your head by now. Newsbomb.com slash St. Jude. And we could use plenty of volunteer help uh, to make this event a success as well. So feel free to reach out to me directly with any questions or to volunteer. My email address is philipa at newsbomb.com. And that's P-H-I-L-L-I-P-A at newsbomb.com. Love to talk to you and, and get you involved in this however however you can. Again, Find out all the details and register at newsbomb.com slash S-T-J-U-D-E. We look forward to having you join us. In this week's feature exchange, we finally nailed down our resident pool shark, Newsbomb driver, Randy Pugh. Now, I'm betting most of us haven't spent an entire morning backing a tractor or trailer around a lot, just simply to turn around and back the other direction all afternoon. But Randy has. So listen as Randy shares how he works around obstacles and doesn't allow the word can't to enter his vocabulary. Laugh along with us as I talk with one of the happiest guys at Newsbomb, Randy Pugh. Randy's dad had to have been smarter than that. (laughs) Or his mom was a genius. One of the two. (laughs) Where'd he get it from? (laughs) figure out where to give credit here (laughs) yeah yeah see the i assume you're probably already rolling 
So, um, parts of that could be in it. Yeah, part of it. You know. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Randy, I'm so happy to have you here today <laughs> talking with me. So, thanks for uh, scheduling some time in here. I know you've been doing some uh, training here with Geotab and all that good stuff, but uh, appreciate you taking some time here with me. I enjoy it. I mean, I just enjoy coming into the office because all the people that I get to see, <laughs> that I don't get to I talk on the phone, I get to put faces to it. Yes. I, and I just pulled you away from one of the planners here giving you a gravy load. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I got to pick my load. Don't, don't, don't. She didn't give it to me. I got to pick the one I wanted. How's that? <laughs> Communication is a really valuable be, thing. Be jealous out there. Be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but Randy, tell me a little bit about your story of, of trucking. You've been doing this for years. You're not, you're not new uh, to the profession here. So tell us a little bit about getting into trucking and, and how long you've been doing this for. Um, my grandfather owned six different trucking companies as I was growing up and calling cars and that kind of stuff. And at seven, I remember hauling produce over the mountains in Colorado. Mm. And back in the days where you poured water over the brakes a third of the way down the hill, down going down into Pagosa Springs over... Uh, Wolf Creek Pass, you'd stop the head barrels of water, cool your brakes off, and you ride on down a little further. You cool them off again. You applied about three pounds of pressure of trailer brake, so your brakes were always on because the only way to catch fire is by le- releasing your brake and letting the oxygen in because you yeah. need heat, fuel, and, o- yeah, and material. Science. So as soon as you get that oxygen <laughs> in there, you have a fire. So yeah. they applied the brake. They didn't have Jake brakes, so... I remember some pretty scary rides, you know, so you know, getting into it, my, we uh, had a fleet of 100 trailers that we maintained at a rendering company. Okay. So growing up, um, uh, I learned to back by uh, the, the rendering plant before I could ride, drive the, uh, the yard hustler that we had around there to mm-hmm. move the trailers. My dad made me back around the plant, clock, uh, um, driver's side. So all the way around? Uh, until lunch. Just, just doing loops. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Around and around, I had to avoid all the traffic that was coming through, dumping into the pits and things like that. Did you People, hit anything? Oh, no, no, no. I, my, <laughs> you don't know my father. No, I didn't hit anything. <laughs> they called him Old Yeller and had nothing to do with the yellow hard hats. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then at lunch, I'm thinking, great, I've done it. I get to drive the truck. We get back from lunch. And I said, whoa, what do I get to move now? And he goes, well, you get to go the other direction the rest of the day. So I got to go blindside the rest of that area around the plant. So, oh, wow. I got a few miles backwards so it's that day. That's, that's a little different than the, the backing training that Corey does around here. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Corey won't hit you. <laughs> I, I would start to get concerned if I saw trucks driving around the lot here, just around the backwards. shop building backwards yeah. all day long. That, that'd be a little concerning, I think. But you know something? You get really comfortable at it because I remember sure. the, one of the trainees that came from Heartland when I was doing the train the trainer program. I let him, you know, back up. I showed him how to back up. And then at the end of the day, just to set the bar higher for him, I went through all four procedures and I did them at a very high rate of speed. Wow. And one shot at everything in and backed it in. I said, now that's not what I'm expecting out of you. What I'm doing is showing you what experience will do for you. So don't think that's how you have to do it. But when you get comfortable with it, that's how it can be done. And he's like, wow, now I know how to work. That, you know, because uh, letting him know the finer points and what will happen yeah. and let him know that 
that's where he's headed because he actually made a lot of improvement for not being able to back to being able to back at in in a two day process. So that was kind of a get to see the light turn on and yeah, I enjoy that. <laughs> and so here at Newsbomb, you you act as a driver trainer mm-hmm. and road captain. You're road captain, so you're very engaged in in what's happening here. I'm part of the Red Certified. I'm a coaching call on it. Um, I. I guess I pay attention to detail. I ask all of the questions. I like to understand it from the beginning to the end. So if somebody asks a question, I'm not giving speculation or what I think or what I feel. I like to go, if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. I, I want to know that you, I'm going to give the right answer. You're, and I know you're a big planner. Yes. You're, you're looking ahead, because I, I just remember even from my time in operations, uh, getting to work with you over the phone, is just looking at scenarios, things happening in advance. I'm going to show up a day early, so let's start getting some things in place, all that I'm, sort of I'm thing. Calling, so, I'm calling either the customer, uh, calling, letting planners know, can I get that in there? Can you get me to change the appointment? Oh, well, it's an open window. It's first come, first serve. I'm making a phone call to the customer. Hey, I'm going to be there di- it's okay, we'll be there. Or, hey, I'm not supposed to be there till seven o'clock in the morning, but I can be there by five. How late do you unload? If you're here by 5.15, we'll unload you. Done deal. That, that's how you make things yeah. happen. You've got things worked out in such a way that, I mean, you, you can pretty, within, I'd say maybe, what, five to 10 minute window, a ways yeah. out. You, you know when you're going to be somewhere, barring any unforeseen Absolutely, and usually the time on I, I'm a half hour early, no matter what. I, I just so that if something happens, late is not in my book. On on time as early as on time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Half hour, I'm showing up. That means I can get there. I don't have to run in there to say, "Yeah, I'm here." I can casually get in there and make sure now that I have a geotab, I can get that all planned out. <laughs> That's a new plan. I can't wait. So t- talk about that a little bit, just the progression of technology. And you know, you mentioned not even having the Jake break early on and all this and how the technology in trucks has changed. Do you see that as a good thing? What's some of the biggest things that you've seen help your job? Well, when I started in Nissan, we had the Volvos. And one day, Phil Breaker, he was, he came up and he goes, I was looking in the shop and seeing one of the freight lines. like, man, that's a nice truck. He goes, you want one? And I was like, yeah. He goes, <laughs> let me see what I can do for you. And the next week, I was in one of them. Wow. I had just been by the shop and done a, had to go do a drug screen or whatever, you know, random. And I get down there and unload in St. Louis. And Corey says, yeah, they want you to come back to the office. And I was like... Okay, what's going on? He goes, they're giving you a new truck. And he's like, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Yo, they are. Come up here. You're getting a new truck. And he's like, well, I'm going to stop by the house and throw some things out so I can make the easy swap. And, right. You know, I, I live in the process of getting you know, from there to here. Right. So it worked out really nice. And I get in the truck. And I remember one of the, I guess, one of the, my first real interactions with Brent was that he came out and he goes, wow, what do you think of the truck? And I said, I like it. And he goes, well... I made a point to get you in it. He was like, wow. So, I mean, at that point, it just let me know that I was making a mark. Yeah. And keeping it that way is part of what I do. I just try to make everybody as happy as I am. And if they're happy, then things are going, because I've had drivers call me up and how mad they are about whatever. Oh, this load isn't going to work. And it's like, how do you know? I mean, if you push it, 
you'll make it. Do you need split? You've already got your two at the last one. Um, I was waiting for my t- Corey to come back this morning, and the driver said, I'm going to make my second stop. I said, and yesterday, you were, this is not going to work. I said, they're big tires. You picked them at Titan. Don't be looking for how it's not going to work. See how you can make it work. And you're going to get to the other one. And how much time are you going to have? Oh, about two and a half hours. So you don't even have to do a two-hour break. You can probably get headed to somewhere, do a two-hour break, go pick up your load, or maybe even pick up your load, then do a two-hour break and have time that you can run. Be on the positive yeah. side. Try to have, see how you can make it work instead of automatically saying, those guys in the office are driving their computer faster than me. You know, that's not a way to look at it. Yeah. I, I, I love that mindset, the, the can-do attitude. I, I've got kind of a philosophy of sorts where if somebody tells me we can't do that, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back. What do you I've mean we can't? Way, yeah, yeah. That's... I, 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 don't, it, it's okay for you to tell me that it's going to be really difficult to make that happen. What do we need to do? To make it happen, it's one this of the three goal, dirty words at my house. How, 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 how do we can? My how do we will this in? No, can't, and hate. Don't tell me no. Don't tell me you can't. Don't tell me you hate your brother because you may not like him right now. <laughs> but hate. Oh, that. I, look, I, I know that happens a lot with my kids. There's definitely a lot of <laughs> back and forth on the liking and not liking things. Say you can't. No, come in and say, Dad, yeah. I, I need help. Or could you show me how to do this? Don't say you can't because until you, you, you're, you can't, you haven't even tried. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's not acceptable. So, well, my grandfather, he always said, you don't have a problem unless you don't have a solution. So if something comes up, it's not a problem. It's something I need a solution for. And I'm going to figure it out. I don't accept failure. It's just not in my book. One way or another, it's going to happen. And it does. So yeah. I, I, I think, well, you were talking about the planning part of it. That goes from me playing pool <laughs> because of the fact that I have to be three, four shots ahead of myself. And especially I play nine ball. I don't play eight ball. Okay. Too many options in eight ball because you can pick any ball, any solid right. stripe. Once you've nine ball, you got to play it in order. It's that one is the next one. So if things aren't looking good on the table, I can put that one where he has to shoot at it to hit it and it's not making a shot. He doesn't hit it, then I start wherever I want to, and then I can start making a run. So the planning thing comes from the days of playing pool and uh, one of the true loves that I have. That's cool. And I, Randy, I know, you know if you were to roll up your sleeve right now, you, you've got some pool balls tattooed on there. Is that right? Right. Well, it's actually a pool shot because um, um, when I was playing in the tournaments, I paid for each piece of it by a major win of five to $10,000 at a tournament. So wow. I said I was going to build a tattoo on my arm from my winnings, and it's called Burnt Behind the Eight Ball. There's a seven ball that's supposed to be by a pocket. The eight ball is above it. The cue ball is hidden behind it, but the, with the cue stick up my arm, that's actually the mass A shot to get around the eight ball to the seven. But I'm a banker. I bank... With my eyes closed, so the best shot when I've been down to take the shot, the cue is actually pointed in the right direction to knock the cue ball across the table and back to the seven. So there's all kinds of, there's more than one way to solve any problem. Right. And my, the um, people, I've seen people with tattoos of pool on their arms, but they're 
a standardized, you know, a pool ball or this or a couple of cues cross. There's actually a story behind this one, and I can yeah. do either one of those shots. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I I cannot look. I, I'm doing good enough just to hit the cue ball, and then the next ball that I'm aiming for. <laughs> so I am never going to challenge you. <laughs> I can't game. wait for them to put a pool table here in the um, the break room. You know, there's there's a new expansion going in over here, and. Um, there might be some room. We'll, yeah. we'll have to talk to Brent. Yeah. <laughs> I can come in, you know, one day a week and I'll give lessons and, you know, you know we, we'll have our own pool league going and it'd be no time. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what actually got you into pool? Um, well, I guess the, the greatest, I mean, my dad was an alcoholic, so, which isn't a bad thing because he quit. I mean, it, it, so it's... The, awesome. Some people... It, it, they don't have that strong enough mind, you know, and, and my dad had drank all of his life and I'm talking a couple six packs of beer and a bottle of vodka every night wow. and yeah. worked hard every day, never missed a day of work. So hmm. I've got that worth ethic, work ethic from him, but for one day to go cold turkey and not do it again for the last 20 years of his life, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. So at that rendering plant that I grew up working at, my dad had worked for him for 20 years and he became a subcontractor for him, but in front of it, there was a bar. And in fact, the plant expanded and that bar, the plant was in a U-shape around the bar. The bar was, had been there forever. So they had built up both sides of it and behind it. And we had like a square mile of, of, of property and the, the, the bar took up the front of it. There were five pool tables in it. So when my dad was in there drinking, I had quarters. And that's to keep me from bothering him. <laughs> You're right. And I became, you know, I could play at, at a young age. And I've got a really mathematical mind. And I seen the simplicity of the game that everybody was making complicated. And it just, I started reading books about it. And it just progressed. I've only had one lesson in my life from a, another player. And... um his name was Fast Larry Gunninger, and he's actually a trick shot artist. Okay. And the only reason I did that is because I wanted to understand Massé a whole lot better to do, to get more control of my Massé shots, the curving, and, and how to do short ones just around a, a quick one around a, a ball or moving a quarter of a ball, changing the path a quarter of a ball down the length of the table and being able to control those things. My son, on the other hand was into doing the tricky shots. Hmm. So he gave him a lesson also, and all I could hear, he goes, well, let me see how he hits him a little bit because I generally don't give trick shot um, lessons. Massé lessons, yes, but trick shot, no. He took my son to another table, and all I could hear him saying was, man, you hit that better than I do. But I started my son out using a beer bottle on, a co- on, on the kitchen table to learn how to play because... Okay. Being able to lean down and put your bridge down and keep your cue level is 90% of the game. It's how you address the cue ball. Hmm. So he learned before he ever got onto a pool table was how to run in and out of that beer bottle straight because the center of the beer bottle is the center of a cue ball. And to get him to understand that that stroke is the most important thing of the game and then showed him a book where he got to read about all the different types of shots and it even progressed from beginning shots up to Massey and he studied that book before he ever got to a table. 
And then when he got to the table, it was just applying the knowledge. Your mind knows what it's doing. It's your subconscious, or it's your conscious mind that overrides it. Oh, that ball's in the way, you're gonna hit it. Oh, I won't gonna make it, you probably won't. You have to believe in what you do. When you, you commit to that shot and you shoot it like it's going, it's not like, oh, am I gonna make this? It's like, I've gotta make a decision that I'm gonna make and then I'm gonna commit. They actually teach it to astronauts so that they learn to commit to their idea because under a pressure situation, when you're you know, a million miles away from the earth, you have to believe in what you're gonna do and you can't go at it like, well, is this gonna work? It's like, this is the plan, we're gonna execute it. And I mean, it was kind of fascinating to see that they'd actually taught it to you know, astronauts for those reasons, yeah. teach them to commit. And that's why since I started Newsbomb, I committed. You know. 100%. It's not, well, I kind of like them. It's, no. As you were talking about technology, we'll go back to that. When I got into the truck, I was thinking, man, the automatics, you know, this one's smoother, it's better, you know, little things made it better. When they changed over, they, went, they put in the lane departure and the on-guard system. Mm-hmm. Um, Kent Molinowski was here, you know, God rest his soul. Yeah. Great man, him and Justin were in the shop, and I did not want one. I called Doug Bradle, I said, take my name out of the hat, I don't want one of those, that's too much, too many bells and whistles, I am just fine with what I've got. Well, you sooner or later you will, Is like, well, then I'll wait until that happens. And I got a phone call from Kent, and he actually said, Randy, we want you in that because you'll utilize it right and you can pass the message on to everybody else on how good it is. It's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. After I went out, uh, my first load was taking me to New York and I tested it to its utmost. I rolled up on traffic at 20 miles an hour and didn't put my foot on it. I just helicoptered the brake. It stopped me. Hmm. Um, I, I let you know, people pull out in front of me and let it stop me. I wanted to believe in it so that when it did do one of those things, I wasn't surprised about what it was doing. Um, perfect example, I was coming across Missouri and it had rained just a little bit and the perfect storm, a truck, a, a fuel truck that delivers to the farms, it was gray in color. Uh, it and a little S10 Blazer were coming onto the highway, and he was riding so close up onto that S10 Blazer, I couldn't see them, and they pulled out in front of me at 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I was traveling 65. The truck, there was a reefer unit coming by me. He slowed up to let me over, but he never blinked me out, so I'm not going to pull out in front of him. I let the on guard stop me. It took me from 65 to 40 without even setting off a Sunday acceleration. And I'm afraid that if I would have applied the brake because it, as, at the moment I seen them, it became a dangerous situation of me slamming on the brakes. Right. You would have ended up in a skid situation. Yeah, or... like, let's let the truck do this. And I, I, I believed in it. And now the bells and whistles that we have, if my assurance system is not working, I get it fixed. I, I, I want all of those things working because now they are a tool. Mm-hmm. And... Just like today, the GeoTab, I really didn't want it, but as a coach to the new drivers coming in, I need to have answers for them and you know, learn the right way to do it so that when they're having a problem, I can give them you know, the, the, the honest 
answer or how to do it because this is what I do and this is the way I do it. And that's, I guess, I want to keep up with technology now. Yeah. Um, I never wanted a smartphone. <laughs> Finally got talked into an iPhone 5 back then. And now I've got a 6 and I want an 8 just because of the charging pad. You know, that's the only, I don't want to have to plug it in. I want to be able to throw it on the dash and have it charge itself. You know, Perfect. Little things. Yeah. Progress. Yep. We need to keep up with it to say that, you know, the old way is the better way. Not always the better way. I was that 70 mile an hour guy. Now I'm that 60 mile an hour guy. Much more peaceful. And I, Corey asked me that the other day. I told him, yeah, I've been doing that 60 since November. And he goes, I couldn't imagine you saying that, Randy. He goes, could you imagine yourself saying that? You know, Corey was right. my second driver manager after Judy. And the only thing they could ever tell me for six years was, if you slow down, you could make a bigger bonus. Well, yeah, but I make more money because I get an extra load. Not now. I make good money and I get a good bonus. So it's... You can do both, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the new bonus program. Yeah. The old bonus program, there were too many ways to lose money this way. This bonus program, there are many, many more ways to earn money than to lose it. I mean, sure, you have following distance. You have these things that... But we had those before. And before a sudden sell, that was automatic two points. Just automatic. You, there was no arbitration you couldn't go to anybody and say take a look at that and then they look that was a deer good thing you put on your break yeah we'll do, we'll take that away you know yeah perfect example and and knowing you i'm guessing you did the math with this new system and and how the loads and then the the, the scoring and everything works together and then you backed it up with your experience absolutely well i ran the dedicated for two two years mm-hmm. and i had to I had to run 65 and 70 because I, 691 miles in a day, you don't get, there's no playing. Nope. Uh, um, and there was no way, well, I, I can be, a, I could fall a little shy. This, it, it doesn't work like that. I had to be meeting a relay driver. So for two years, that load was me because that's the way I drive. You know, I, I was set on that. But then I, when that stopped, I wanted to keep my scores up because they gave me help on my score because I couldn't slow down. Well, I wanted to prove to myself first I could get a 10, a perfect 10 on the habits. And then I wanted to get two in a row. And then it was like, you know something? This isn't working out too bad. And they do dispatches so I could drive 60 miles an hour 90% of the time. Yeah. There are times, you know, you have to pick it up a little bit, but not very often. Um, I now maintain a 755 score. and. It comes with paying attention. That's all it is. Uh, there are times I do get an 11 or 12 hour break, but most of the time it's 10 hours and one minute. Click. The clock says I got time. Let's roll and on to the next step. I only sleep five and a half hours a day, so kind of hard to stay, you know, sit there for <laughs> four hours at a truck stop anyway and then go to bed. You know, at least now I get to get up a half hour early and make my coffee. Got, you know, want to. One of the Keurig coffee pots, you know, and I get to make two cups, and that takes a little bit of that time in the morning off. What's your go-to coffee? <laughs> uh, it's called Rev No Surrender. <laughs> <laughs> Just, so, 
Does that mean extra caffeine? <laughs> it's kind of like my Ritalin. It totally takes the edge off of the day. Because <laughs> they have another one that's called Afterburner, and it's just not enough. No surrender is the one. <laughs> that's great. Oh. I remember a while back, Randy, talking with you uh, as we were starting to introduce the Certified Red program. And you'd mentioned, I've been in this Platinum 700 Club for years at this point. Yes. And you appreciated the idea that we're doing something a little bit extra, something to help those of you who really do stand out kind of make that designation official. Talk to me about your, your thoughts with the Certified Red program. And as that also pertains to continued training and learning and education as a professional driver, but then also just the recognition that you get from that. Well, when I first hit 700, that was a, that was a very high standard to hit. Well, then it was a club. Yeah. We called it the 700 club. It was less than 15 people. There were 12 of us. Yeah. <laughs> so to be in that part, you had made a lot of extra effort to get to that. And at first, when they, they went with the new bonus program, it was like, man, they're everywhere. You know, and now we're, I'm thinking there's got to be 100 of us somewhere. Uh, yeah, but maybe roughly around 120. Even. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's went from not a, a club to a, a, a mob or a, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. We're a faction. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's us. You know, we're, we're, a, we're 25% of the company now. The thing about that is, is that those, just to reach the platinum, you have to be doing a lot of things right. And you have to actually care about what you're doing. I was that guy in the beginning that, well, this is the way I drive. And then I started listening and paying attention to the things that were happening, why I was missing points and, you know, what they were taking away and then looking at it and... And, and adjusting to those things and finding out that, you know, some what I was doing was right, but this is actually safer, this is easier, it's less stressful. And then they brought in the, the, the Red Certified, or Certified Red. I mean, mm-hmm. they brought the program in. And being able to, to get that extra two cents, and then you hear people saying, well, I'm not doing that. It's like, you complain about you're not making money, and they give you a few odds and ends things to do, and they're going to give you two cents a mile. Don't tell me you're not making enough money then, you know, because you have a, it's attainable fruit. You're leaving it on the table. Uh, Brent Newsbaum, we're reaching for the attainable fruit, the fuel mileage. That's, mm-hmm. that's that he, he uses that statement all the time. And that is attainable fruit. And once you get in the program, you continue that education and every 100,000 miles, another half a penny. Over a 10-year period, that's five cents minimum, and the two, that's seven cents mm-hmm. that's yours, that you can reach for and get. I plan on being here another 10 years. So I'm looking for the fact that with the two pennies and that, that's seven cents that's there for me to get. And I don't have to do anything to keep, I mean, I don't have to do anything to each day to make that seven cents. I can still, we still run the short miles, the long miles. It's on top on of that. Top of- and, and, and it's just there. 
And if somebody actually applies themselves to those, the knowledge, there are things I've watched and it was like, oh yeah, I remember that. It just refreshes that. And on the other side of it, the new drivers coming in that have a year of experience that, you know, that are working up to that base pay that us, uh, an experienced driver gets. That knowledge is something that we should all know anyway. Randy, how many years have you been driving now? Oh, that's about 40 years. And then you've been with Newsbomb for? Uh, July, it'll be nine years. Is there anything in the, that you can point to, even in just the last year, two years, that you've actually picked up, that you've learned uh, just in the last year or two? Oh, I've learned to apply the smart drive to winter driving. Because of the G-forces that you apply on making a corner, that also applies to you know, that, that lateral force that you apply when you're going in the snow. So learning that to apply it to it, because I never really thought about it. I drove through the mountains. I just knew what I, I, knew what I could do. But to see the, you know, the, the lights when they go off and things, it's like, oh, well, now I'm setting my GPS differently so I get a different view of the corners because I know the arc of a corner on the GPS and how slow I'd have to go or how fast I'd have to go. Are you the same driver now as you were when you started with Newsbaum? Absolutely not. I am a much less stressed out driver. <laughs> You know how hard it is to ride up on that 62-mile-an-hour truck looking for the break in traffic so I can get out and have a one-mile-an-hour race with him. Yeah, yeah. And then listen to all the other guys. Those of us four-wheelers following that really, really enjoy that. Well, the big trucks, they're they're wanting to do 75. They're they're mad, and they're complaining to me. It's like, "Um, here, let me explain physics to you. I have my foot on the floor, and I am trying to go by him. You should be complaining to him because he's not slowing down. I'm overtaking him. He should slow down. Well, you should have been able to pass him. I am passing him. <laughs> Just not at the rate that makes you happy. Not did fast you, enough. Did, <laughs> did you send the email out? I guess I did. wasn't on the list because I didn't get what was going to make you happy today. Sorry. Have a good day. <laughs> you mentioned being less stressed, a less stressful driver. I think that that, that seems to be a common uh, theme that I hear from drivers that adopt the system that we use here. You're always going to come up on that one going a little slow. You're going to have to find your way around it. Now, if somebody comes by me at 61 miles an hour, guess what? I slow down. No. It's okay. I come up on that you know, 58 mile an hour truck or car. I can step on it and I can get around him and not cause, because I can wait for the big break. Because I've also noticed, and somebody else was tell, you know, talking about it the other day on the radio, I was like, yeah, when you drive slower, all of a sudden you'll be by yourself. Because cars, you know, they're, they're all wanting to go faster than each other. They run in a cluster. They'll be going down the road. They'll be flying by you. And next thing you know, you're like, well, there's nobody behind me. There's nobody in front of me. It's well, nice. this is really peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish they'd all just stay home tomorrow. It'd be a peaceful day. But I'm going through Atlanta. Could you all stay home? I just want to drive through. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Good you know. luck with that. <laughs> it's a thought. I didn't say it was a winning one or a, <laughs> one that was going to happen. <laughs> Quick answer. Least favorite city to drive through. Wow. Austin, Texas. Why is that? They have really done a bad job of the way 
two or three of the roads come together. You've got an elevated portion you go around, and then they come back together, and then there's another highway. It it seems like if you can't go through that town and not have any issues, except for maybe uh, two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon, and other than that, you better be there after 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Because... The, the nightlife down there is terrible. I right. mean, they're all out, and, and they're all right off the highway. I'd rather drive through Atlanta because I'm yeah. expecting that to happen. I'm going through a little <laughs> town in Texas, and here we are. Look at that. I mean, it's not that big. Uh, so what's your favorite stretch of road? Uh, I-36 and I-70 across Kansas and Missouri. Really? It's so peaceful. I mean, there's... Well, I know once you get to Kansas, it's, yeah, there's telephone poles and sunflower seeds, you know, sunflowers and yeah. cows and telephone poles. And <laughs> you get the idea. We're going to go get more sunflowers, yeah, yeah. more telephone poles. <laughs> and, and then you get to the edge of Kansas and then you see Denver. And that's, yeah. being, that's where I'm from. So I guess I, I like that stretch going that okay. way, so, so not coming this you way. You get so to like, see the mountains starting to come yeah, into view. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. In the snow, it don't matter. I throw chains. I, I just love the challenge of it. It's just something <laughs> that I've always done. And it wasn't like, well, they got the chain line of it. We can't go. It's like, no, nope, my load of drywalls in Gypsum, Colorado. I'm going to go get it. That's how you make a living. People are like, well, no load's worth that. It's like, well, no load's worth driving stupid either or you know, silly or unsafe. Whatever word you would yeah. like to use for it. Because... They've been driving in the snow for a long time. And that's why they put the chain law up. If they didn't, if they, if you weren't supposed to drive in the snow, they wouldn't have a chain law. Yeah. <laughs> it's the way I see it anyway. <laughs> so all you guys that don't drive in the snow, that's up to you. Yeah. yeah but I, I was built in a different era. I was talking to uh, one of our favorite moms around here, Darla Smith earlier. Yeah. I just seen and her. And she was um, telling me about, and we'll, we'll probably get her on the, on the show here at some point and talk about this too, but she was showing a picture where she chained up the, the heavy chains too. Not the, not the lighter aluminum, whatever, yeah, like the, 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 the heavy steel yeah. <laughs> uh, chains here. And, you know, she's a 60 plus year old grandma with a hip replacement and everything. And here she is getting this all done up. She had to do a full wrap everywhere all the way around uh, the truck. And that's the job. I mean, that, and that's... she's like, if I can do this, anybody can do this. <laughs> and you really don't, I mean, when I was running up there, being you going over the Eisenhower and the Vale, I actually had blocks that I'd get mine on. I'd let the air out of my tires, mm, snug yeah. them down really tight, and then blow the tires back up in them because then you can drive 45, 50 miles an hour with your chains on and it won't beat up anything. And, yeah. you know, they stay nice and tight. And you can make, you know, I didn't want to go 25 miles, take them off, drive 30 miles, and put them back on and drive 25 miles and take them off. I just kept them on, go over, grab the drywall, come back, back over the back passes, the bottom of that, sure. take them off, and I was delivering. You know, yeah. I, I was out of the snow and I could go. So you just, you just, you adapt. So you mentioned roughly 40, 40 plus years you've been driving. How much more you got left? Uh, see an at end? least another 10 anyway. I, I'm going with 10 right now. I, I, I actually want to build you know, hot rods on a regular basis cool. and, build, and do jewelry. I, I, I learned how to do Indian jewelry and lost wax investment casting, you know, things like that. When I was in high school, I learned from a, an instructor at CU in Boulder 
the junior high that I went to, his wife was the attendance, it was the attendance lady, and I worked in the attendance office last hour of the day. So I got to make all my absences excused, is what I thought. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Man, what, did figured it, out the system. Yeah. Oh, my mom didn't hear that. No, just. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned from him, and it was a really, I mean, it, to be able to carve something out of wax and turn that into silver or gold is really an interesting process. Yeah. And I could sit around making things. And on the weekends, I could sit back at, the, at, at, at a swap meet or, you know, the, the flea market, making my little dollars here and there and not really have a care in the world, you know, or drive across country, you know, and sell them at Sturgis because I've made a bunch of these or those or yep. Daytona bike, you know, those kinds of things. I could have that, that creative money in the process along with. The pool lessons on the say, you'll be, you'll be doing a little pool yeah, on the side, yeah, right? Yeah. The table that I'm putting in the man cave is, you know, I've already got it picked out. It's about $5,500 pool table. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Randy, you said you're happy. And yes. there is no doubt about that, that you come in smiling. You like to have a good laugh. And just honestly, you come in and like to make everybody else feel good. That's and, my goal. And I appreciate that. Every day. I want to make everybody that I deal with laugh. Sometimes I'm explaining to my wife why it was funny, but you know, I'm laughing about it. <laughs> She's if like, you have to explain it, it might not be that funny. But <laughs> depends. Humor is point of view. The guy stepping in the doggy doo-doo, he's not laughing. The guy watching him do it, he's laughing. See, point of view. <laughs> Oh, that, that's absolutely true. And I, like I said, I, I just appreciate having you around. And, and I know we don't get to see you in here that often, uh, even right. though you only I, live just an hour down the road. But <laughs> they on. keep me moving. <laughs> well, that's I don't know thing. why they put stuff in the box and make me drag that thing all over the place, but it's okay <laughs> if that's that what they want to anyway? do. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about Friday. And that's when they, yeah, you know, I, I do it for the Fridays. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Except I'm leaving Sunday, but that's okay. <laughs> Randy, thanks so much for, hey, your, for spending time here. I appreciate here it. I, doing I'm, this. I'm glad you asked me. I, I, know, I know you're ready to go home next, so. <laughs> Thank you. You Randy, have a good one. Thanks so much. Appreciate Everybody it. brings us happiness, some by coming, some by going. <laughs> Bye, Randy. <laughs> I don't know Wait. how to take that one, though. been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, TerminalExchange.org.